Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Ash Wednesday, March the 1st, the first day of Lent, and you're very welcome to this, hopefully not too penitential, weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Sarah Barden and Fia Kelly joined us today, along with uh, Minister Finian McGrath, who's Minister at the Department of Social Protection, Justice and Equality and Health, with special responsibility for disabilities, which is particularly pertinent today because of a story on the front page of the Irish Times. So I asked him the first question. Finian McGraw, you're very welcome. Um, front page story in all the newspapers this morning is about the, the, the long delayed and long awaited reports on this case of the uh, alleged abuse of a, of a disabled girl known as Grace. Uh, a long time coming, this report. One of them was. It is, yeah. I mean, they've been talking about the issue for, for, uh, for many years, uh, longer than five years, Hugh. So that's the first thing. So as soon as I came in as minister a number of months ago, this was on my desk, as the fellow says, and I just wanted to move this along. And even when I was trying to move it along, there were blockages and there were legal arguments and there were concerns expressed. But eventually, uh, uh, like even before Christmas, I had planned to publish the reports. But there were again, there was a slowdown between advice that I was getting in relation to HSE staff and also in relation to the Gardaí. But that was resolved and we pu- we pushed it the, published the reports yesterday. And I'm absolutely delighted. Two excellent reports by Connell Devine, Rosin Zernd, and also... The, the examination that was done by Conor Dignam as well, that fantastic senior counsel, uh, they did a lot of great work. So and what they did they tell us? There. Well, basically, they gave they give us a detailed analysis of, of the case. Uh, they also, in relation to Conor Dignam, he gave me uh, great ideas in relation to terms of reference for a commission of inquiry. But the bottom line is, they, they put down the roadmap. A lot of the groundwork was done. So when the Commission of Inquiry is set up and I can bring the terms of reference into the, into the, into the cabinet next Tuesday, a lot of that groundwork was done. So as I said to a number of your colleagues, I won't be hanging around in relation to this Commission of Inquiry. It's a big issue for me. The way the allegations in relation to Grace Kearse are absolutely appalling. Well, they're I'm not, looking at, that, not, I'm looking at the analysis by our health correspondent, Paul Cullen, in today's Irish Times, and he points out, I mean, that the, these allegations date back two decades or, or, or more. Uh, there was really serious cause for concern. Uh, those those causes for concern mm. clearly were ignored by, by many people who were working for the HSE at the time. Because of the passage of time, most of the people uh, identified in the report have, have left the HSE, mm. so are not subject really necessarily to whatever disciplinary uh, actions might, you know, might be relevant. This is a classic case of justice uh, delayed as justice denied, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, but I don't buy that argument. And I don't think we and the public and as I as minister and the Commission of Inquiry should buy that argument. So what I'm saying essentially is we need to get the facts in the Grace uh, case. We need to get the truth. But at the end of the day, people have to be responsible for the actions. If I was if I was caught in a similar situation as Minister for State for Disabilities, I'd be gone tomorrow morning. And this is worse. When you see uh, allegations of malpractice against a young woman with intellectual disabilities and other cases out there as well, there has to be decisive action. And Paul that's points out that there is no mechanism for proper decisive action to be well, taken. I, as I, a I, I just I can't believe that within an organisation 
like the HSE or like, uh, in the past like the health board there's no mechanism if I was a public servant tomorrow morning there has to be a mechanism to do, to to deal with those issues and I would, I feel very very strong that that action will be taken Well Paul is pointing out and I, you know he knows his oats here he points out he's, there isn't he says there are disciplinary measures available within professional organisations the nursing organisation social workers organisation now but not within not within the government agency itself it's very unclear what measures could be taken It might be unclear but I'll tell you this much over the next 24 hours I'm going to clarify that issue because I'll be talking to the HSE and the Department of Health because as far as I'm concerned that's not good enough I've had parents on to me over the last 12 hours saying to me why why is no action being taken in relation to that so I'm saying to them is I need to get the facts get the truth and then then make the decisions about action but the the, the concerns that you've raised are legitimate concerns and I've heard a number of your colleagues saying just on the Dáil plant because the, the track record of commissions of inquiry and tribunals has been we have a big investigation, we get all the information and nothing's done. This is one case that I'm genuinely trying to see that that doesn't happen. Sure. I think <clears throat> there's a number of points. The first one being that um, 20 years on from when uh, there was a decision made to remove Grace from her foster family, um, we're now only beginning initiating disciplinary proceedings against these individuals. Um as you have rightly said, a great number of them have left the HSE service and in that case there is little or nothing that the HSE or anybody else can do. Um, with regards to the, the disciplinary action to the people who work in the HSE, that is a, a bit of a, there is a huge loophole there. So it's something that this, the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, has raised previously where he said that underperforming managers would be removed from their positions and that actually can't be done, um, which has subsequently been been found out. You can be removed from your position, but you will only be sidestepped to another position at a, at the same uh, level that you you know that you previously occupied. Um, so that's not really a, a proper accountability. And I suppose the third point is as well is that um, I, I've worked with the two whistleblowers since two thousand and four, um, and they were made um, they were intimidated and harassed by uh, their peers in the HSE. Several attempts were made to discredit them. One of the whistleblowers alleges that um, there were attempts for her to uh, be removed from her position. And so what the what the Conor Dignam, the <coughs> Conal Divine and the Resilience Ireland reports don't do um, and what they couldn't do because of their because of the, the scope that was given to them is look into that element. Who discredited them, who um who threatened the whistleblower's uh, position and so forth. And as well, I think the other the other thing that the, the three reports can't look into, but hopefully the Commission of Investigation will be able to examine, is that this foster family um, cared for 47 children um, that were sent to them by the health services in the southeast. However, they took on a number of private, um, of children from private families and um, we have no idea this the level that 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 uh, that happened, um, and we do know that Anne, a, another woman, was in in the home until 2013 after Grace was removed in 2009. So I suppose uh, while accountability um, is a significant issue, I think there there still has to be a uh, clearer clearer realisation of the facts involved in this But this case. is the Irish pattern, isn't it? We haven't seen it in many, in many, many institutions. Uh, uh, no accountability, uh, alleged uh, maltreatment of people who try and bring this information to light, endless inquiries which go on so long that everybody's forgotten about what the purpose of them was by the, t- by the time they're finished. And really, no, you know, no real outcome, no real satisfactory outcome. 
Well, uh, it's just all too familiar, I suppose. I mean, f- two yeah, weeks ago, we're sitting in the, the, this, uh, this studio talking about the treatment of Morris McCabe. Now we're here talking about the treatment of two whistleblowers who put their careers on the line to bring the case of Grace and the other children involved um, to the fore. And all they want to see is a, a speedy conclusion to the concerns that they raised with regards to Grace's care and the care of other children. But, you know, a commission of investigation, while it's it, it's it's extremely worthwhile, it will probably be a, a rather lengthy process that will, as you said, uh, said to your, in your question to the minister, um, result in justice uh, denied for them because it, it will it'll simply take too long to, to get to the bottom now, of it. Now, I know this, these, these are issues which have been a concern to you for many years as a, as a politician on the opposition benches for, for most of your career. Do these things look different when you're on the, when you're on the inside the government, I suppose? And do you see them from a different perspective? Uh, I don't really because uh, I, when I say that like a lot of the issues that you raised there, both Sarah and yourself and your concerns and the, and the historic kind of track record of these investigations, nothing be done. Well, now I'm in the other side. I just find that unacceptable. And I, and I, I, and I put a, a, a kind of a, a bar for myself is we have to do something about that. That is it. The public have to have confidence in the, for example, in this case, whether it's disability service or in the case of Morris McCabe in the Garda service. The answer to the question is the public don't have confidence at the moment and the confidence is being dented. But the reason why they don't have confidence is because the Sea Commission of Inquiry costing lots of money and nothing has been done. So what, I, what I'm saying to you is I put that as a, as, a, as a bar for myself is at the end of the process, if I don't see action done in relation to this particular issue, well, then that's... That's really, then I can say no, it's different from the other side. At the, uh, so we have to change our attitude to society. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of commissions of inquiry and tribunals of inquiry. Uh, it, I, I'm the old fashioned person. If somebody is corrupt or does something wrong, if the, they should be prosecuted by the Gardaí and, uh, and then deal with the case and move on and let them suffer the consequences. If there's not enough evidence there, that's their good fortune. So I... But at the same time, in relation to this one, I'm going with this one because I just feel uh, as the Minister for Disabilities, I have a particular loyalty to Grace and those other families that were affected by it. So my, but I think the real judgment of the call will be what decisive action is taken at the end of the process. I don't buy the, the arguments that nothing can be done within the HSE or within the two-slayer service like that. If people make very bad mistakes, errors of judgment or if malpractice is proved, sorry, they shouldn't be involved in the JJ. Does that require that. renegotiating then industrial relations agreements, long-standing industrial relations agreements? Well, I, can't, the I, I can't understand that, that any sensible company or any sensible service uh, it, it can't have the procedures. And I don't buy this line as well is uh, some of the solutions in the past are moving people sideways as well, which has happened in some of the observers that I've seen over the years. So we need to have clear uh, uh, policy changes. And if those changes are needed, both Simon Harris and I are up for that. Another story which has reared its head uh, over the last 24 hours or so is the ever thorny question of water. Um, and a bit of a spat going on. I was listening to Willie O'Dea this morning responding to Simon Coveney's uh, words yesterday in relation to, as Fine Gael said, the need to retain a system of particularly penalising people who are abusing who are abusing the, their consumption of water e- excessively. Uh, Willie O'Dea was suggesting, I think I'm uh, paraphrasing him, that Simon Coveney was donning his red cloak to appear like a superhero to the uh, his colleagues in Fine Gael in mm. advance of an upcoming contest. Is there an element of that? There? Probably, but I think the I think Simon Coveney before was on a stronger footing 
and the rental issue before Christmas only is now, uh, the confidence supply agreement quite clearly states that both parties are allowed to take different positions on a matter that comes before it at all. Simon Coveney's position seems to be, well, I'm not going to introduce any legislation that's contrary to the advice given to us by the Attorney General. But your legal, adv- I know it's the Attorney General, adv- uh, Attorney General's advice, but Fianna Fáil seems to be citing some 2007 legislation that went through government which says that people can be fined for excessive usage rather than actually having charges for excessive use. It's a slight difference. So um, I think this is one where the battle was fought largely last year. Fianna Fáil made their position known quite clearly in the middle last year that they were against water charges and this is just the culmination of Why that is it process. Up right now? Is because, it because there's a deadline where, 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 this, this the way the, the, the conference supply agreements had to be a commission, a committee uh, and then the committee would produced a report that we then voted by on the doll and a Sarah reported over the last few days the, the, the majority or the looks at the committee is going to reject uh, the abolition outright of water charges now that strength of that committee is reflected in the doll so that will be passed in the doll vote so Simon Coleman is in a position where he's saying that he may well be um, refusing to enact legislation that is the will of the DAW because the Attorney General has advised against it and the European Commission has passed various judgments that say we could be open to large fines but uh, I think the reality is water charges are not coming back uh, and we're just picking over the mechanism by by which they will be buried right now. Vinian, does that mean we have another of these issues? I know we had one a few months ago where uh, the government or, or members of the government may, uh, may, may be taking an action which isn't advised legally by the Attorney General. Can I say to you that I'm very bored with this issue, to be quite honest with you. And it's probably, it's probably the seven or eight months I've been in my job as Minister of Safe for Disabilities. When I go out every day, I was in a drunk car the other day meeting parents, a very severely disabled kid. I meet acquired brain injury patients every second day. I spend my life fighting with the Department of Finance and public expenditure to get more services for people with disabilities. And to be quite honest with you, the water thing to me is just... I'm just frustrated. I think people need to get real involved in this debate. The debate is over. Mm. We've won the right to everybody to the right to water. We've passed the motion, the doll, which is guaranteeing public ownership of Irish water. And if somebody wants to waste water, as far as I'm concerned, just uh, fine them or mm. tax them or charge them. Interesting so, that Chief Finian is using the word fine and Dennis Nocton this morning. I thought subtly changed position from the Fine Gael's point of view, which is that people should be charged for excessive use. And he was now, Dennis Nocton and Finian has just echoed that, using the word fine, which seems to me to be closer to the Fianna Fáil position. To the 2007 legislation. Yeah, so rather is, than charging people if they yeah, use over you a certain limit, you're fining them for abusing it. I'm saying is, the, three, the right to water, that debate has been won. The right, to, uh, the, uh, the issue of public ownership of water, that has been won. The doll mm. passed that more. So that's policy from all the parties. So we need to get over it. So the final thing is then, should people be fined or charged for using, abusing water, mm. a, 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 a very important uh, commodity in, 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 in Irish life and, both, and internationally as well? And I would say, yes, that's the, the position. The, the other issue is that the confidence supply agreements allows this can to be kicked down the road even further yeah, by well, saying the suspension period of, of water charges, I think, is up to the end of March. Legislation has to be passed to do whatever the dollar the government wants to do, but that can be extended. So there is a prospect right, yeah. that this, this can I, be fudged for a while. And am further. I going to get my money back? I think so, yeah. I think it looks like that. And uh, the other issue is that my frustration is, I just think 
too much time has been spent on this issue. There are real issues out there in the broader society. Well, it's a real issue, um, though. I mean, that's a real issue for there's some also real issue. I get my money back. back. Come on. Uh, and, and all you the get your money back. That's, that's 270 million euro, which could be spent on an awful lot of things, including yes, many, of the, many of the things that you're talking about, including then you, know, you add into that an absurd situation where not only did I, which I did, pay pay those water charges, but I also got 100 quid back. Am I going to have to give that back to the government? How does all that work? The whole thing is a fiasco which uses money which could be spent in so many better ways, including the ways that you're saying. I think um, if you got the water conservation grant, the proposal is that that would be deduct- deducted from the refund that you were due. So if you paid all five bills, um, you're, you're, you are Your 100 euro due to deducted. get 240, sorry, 325 euro you would get €225, Euro, but that's a logistical nightmare. The money was paid um, by the Department of Social Protection, the Water Conservation Grant. You paid your bills to Irish Water. To match up who paid their bills with who got the Water Conservation Grant isn't going to be an easy feat. You're, you're basically going to have to probably set up some new system, which of course will cost money. So we're looking at about 180 million to 100 euro for refunds. Um, That doesn't account for the method to which they will be paid, um, to to which the refunds will be paid, which will no doubt cost uh, further money. And if a new system has to be set up to link the two from um, Irish Water to the Department of Social Protection, again, that costs money. And I I, I understand what Finian is saying because the, the, the general public seems to have moved on from the issue of water charges. But they, the two main political parties are so steadfast in their opinions. I mean, Fianna Fáil last night saying that they would not support any charging regime whatsoever. Fine Gael saying that position would breach European law and the Minister for Housing saying that he would not introduce any legislation that he believed was against the advice of the Attorney General and against the advice of the European Commission. So here we have a situation where an Oireachtas Committee looks like it will recommend um, no charging regime whatsoever. The confidence supply arrangement uh, binds uh, Minister for Housing Simon Coveney to introduce legislation to reflect that. So if he's saying he won't, the confidence and supply arrangement falls and we face into so a general So could this election. bring down the government? I've learned over the past eight months that quite often political disputes become political crises and political crises bo- become, uh, become election, uh, potential election issues. They're always brought to the brink. And brought, brought right back Fine again. Gael I hardly don't, want to go to the country on the issue well, of I don't think charges, anybody right? wants if to go on the. If you're a Fine Gael Dublin TD, do you really want to go to tour somewhere? Or if you're Richard Bruton, do you want to be going into Eden more? I said, How are you doing? I'm having an election on whether you, you owe me money for water and you want to pay it again. No, you don't. Same so, at Noel Rock on the north side. No, you don't. So I don't think. I think Sarah's right that we'll come to the precipice of this, of, you know, there may be an election and as, as always, we'll step back from it. But I don't think. I think there were. The fact that we get over the previous three to four weeks means that we're going to get over this as well. Yeah. It's not an election issue for me, Hugh, right? The first thing. Secondly is, I want to get on. I would love my three budgets uh, uh, over the... Sure to, to implement. <laughs> no, but I say, what I, I have a three-year plan. I have certain things I want to get over the line. I want to get the new A&E for Bowman. I want to get that done and dusted in the capital plan this year. I have lots of ideas in cystic fibrosis. I have lots of issues in reform of the health services. I, have to de- I want to get the de- the grace case done and dusted with and reform of the disability sector as well and invest them. That's my plan, but I need two or three years to do it. So there's no way in I that situation that we're going to have a little row over water and bring down the, the government. There is an element that it is taking up an awful lot of time in the political system and... Sarah's right, the two big parties took differing views on it for their, for their own reasons. But they need, to, they, they need to basically, both parties, it's not for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, because Fine Gael are equally stubborn now as Fianna Fáil are, that they need to come to a decision and arrive at a compromise 
that basically buries water charges and it complies with some of you directive. Well, I if, think, if, I think if, if as in the minister's words, Barry Cowan needs to chill out, is there does, some yeah, sure. kind of a, Louisiana you know, is there a bit advice. of macho, macho no, kind of posturing going it's, on here? It's, bo- it's, both, it's both of them because Barry Cowan wasn't the one making the headline statement last night. That was Simon Coveney, although... And Simon Coveney, I don't understand why he's surprised that Fianna Fáil have taken this position. It's been clear as mud since the government negotiations talks that they're going to do this. And he feigns surprise that they've couldn't suddenly come out and taken a hard line. So what? is Willie O'Dea right about that? I mean, Simon Coveney well, came out looking very well people, people uh, been... out, of the, out of the conflict, which he essentially yeah, won, I... won before Christmas over the, over the housing bill. And given that uh, a few months ago it was perceived that Leo Varadkar <clears throat> would be tougher on Fianna Fáil mm. than Simon Coveney would have been, maybe you know, I, there's I, a bit of position I, I don't know about that. Here. Maybe he did believe it, but people have been telling them. I know people have been telling them. Fianna Fáil are not going to agree to an excessive use of water charges, so you may as well get used to it. So the fact that he suddenly surprised this come out of a clear blue sky is not not. Yeah, it's, it's kind of inexplicable, really, for the Minister for Housing not to have foreseen this situation coming down the tracks. I mean, Fine Gael, or Fianna Fáil's general election manifesto committed them to scrapping water charges. Now, I know they've twisted and turned um, throughout the past eight months, but they... Uh, the general election manifesto is quite clear. So I don't understand how the Minister for Housing, Simon Comey, didn't foresee this situation coming. And you're right, actually, there is a perception. There was um, a lot. He got Simon Coveney got a lot of kudos for standing up to Fianna Fáil prior to, um, prior to the Christmas break with regards to the excessive rent increases. And it boosted his profile um, and his standing in the party quite significantly. But this is a battle he's never going to win. Um, the majority of the doll is against the introduction of water charges. The majority of the Oireachtas Committee is against water charges. Finian is against water charges. John Halligan is against water charges. But Shane Ross is... I don't understand why we're having this big debate. The debate about water charges is over. There's going to be free water for everybody under public ownership. So why are we having a, but, a row about But it's not over. That's the exact point. Know, it's just, not over. Well, can I say as well in relation to uh, Barry Cowan? I, I think the, you have an, a leadership issue going on there within Fine Gael. There's no doubt about the, the lads are throwing shapes and they're going to be throwing shapes over the next couple of weeks. But also in relation to Barry Cowan. I mean, Barry Cowan reminds me of the corner back plane for, for Offaly and he's marking a, a dinky forward and the dinky forward <laughs> rounds him twice and then he's coming back a third time and he decides to clip him in the ankles with the hurley. That's the way Barry plays. That's the way. So he's not happy about losing the issue about the housing uh, before Christmas. So now he's back to li- mm. give the little dinky corner forward a, cl- a clip in the ankles. So that's the way Barry operates. But so I think they need to all chillax, focus on the real issues. Listen, the good news is uh, unemployment is going down we're trying to develop the economy we're trying to invest in the service just, let's get on with it can I just ask though Finian, uh, w- would you support a charge being introduced for excessive usage of water at the moment I think I'm in that zone yeah but I just want to see what the committee are going to come, finally come back with you yes. would support I, I think I, I, yeah I would yeah, so because you would be in line with Fine Gael's position well yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah I would be in that zone I think that once you have Free water to a certain point, and once you have public ownership of Irish water of the water system in Ireland, yes, I could go that. And then would you t- would people be charged for excessive water? Yes, I would be in that space. Yeah, but I'd love to s- just fi- see the final details of what the committee recommends. Sure, sure. I think I thought the committee were coming down that road. Well, the working paper and that was, pr- was presented why, to the Oireachtas Committee yesterday by Porter Gokeda, who's the chairperson, actually commits the the committee to an excessive water usage but that was written prior to Fianna Fáil's intervention last night uh, or yesterday so um, well it all pivots on the Fianna Fáil position then really it, it, everything well works. significantly yeah, yeah they have yeah. Um, they've yeah, got but four I, I know members. within Fianna Fáil there's a lot of people not happy with that now the leadership have obviously decided the position the position is now I know position. but I'm just talking to a lot of people within the Fianna Fáil I know they're not they're not, they're not they're not they were actually going the compromise was coming yeah and all of a sudden it's banged out the way by, that, by that corner back. They're not, com- <laughs> they're not comfortable with it, uh, 
with. That's uh, what the fags they're not, they're not comfortable. <laughs> this is Finian, if for knowledge you don't know, referenced the, a tweet there that Barry Cowan <laughs> sent out last week. They said Finian would stay in government for 200 f- cigarettes, basically. <laughs> so, so for any, there's, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of previous here in case you hadn't picked it up. Uh, oh, Barry, you know, Barry, it's nothing personal ever. Just business. No, nothing personal. No, nothing, nothing personal at all. To the wider point, Finian is right. There are a lot of people who Fianna Fáil in rural areas are uncomfortable with this mm. point of view. But you get the impression the party leadership have decided that they're watching their left flank and they're watching their left vote in urban areas in particular. Like you think of Dublin South Central where they came within a whisker. I think it was 20 odd votes or something of taking the fifth seat. And they're looking at those constituencies and saying they are where we need to make ground the next time. And we are not leaving our left flank open to Sinn Féin and the left to hammer us on broken promises. And bear in mind, Fianna Fáil are obsessed with the Labour rep pre, uh, experience of broken promises after an election. I did not want to repeat that. Right. Well, let's just leave it there because as Finian says, I think we're all pretty sick of the subject of water in some ways. But, but Sarah, I'm struck by uh, how the minister there is talking about his, his, his three-year plan and so much, you know, uh, so much done, so much more to do, I suppose, in a, in a phrase. But And then I'm looking at your piece in today's paper as part of our, our series about the, the, the first year of this doll. Hopes of radical change stymied by inertia. And inertia is really the key word there, really, because it seems to me that you're <coughs> saying that there's really not very much being done. Um, there's there's very little being done. Um, the there is a level there's a layer of bureaucracy now with regards to the uh, to the workings of the doll. In order for the business of the house to be decided, that has to go to a specially established business committee. For um, in order for a committee a committee to be That's scheduled, the business of the doll rather than businesses other people would understand. Exactly, it's running yeah, the business, sorry, of, the business of the yeah. of the house. Yeah. And in order for committees to be um, to, to, to sit, they have to first make a request to a committee of committee chairman. The committee of committee chairman then makes a request to the business committee who then decides whether or not the committee can sit at the time that it requests. So that sounds like procedural hell. It is. It's a layer of bureaucracy that just doesn't seem to, that has effectively stalled the work of um, of the Oireachtas, in particular the work of the Dáil and the, the committees because as we as we all know the committees were hailed as I suppose the most effective part of the of the Oireachtas and the working of the Oireachtas mm-hmm. but actually because of the number, the large number of um, committees that have since been, that have been established since the general election um and the, I suppose, the limited space that's available to them to sit. It means that effectively a lot of committees are not sitting on a, a fortnightly basis. The Finance Committee, um, John McGuinness is quoted in the in the piece today, he says that they have 12 um, bills from opposition to consider. They have government business and they also have their, their, their business that they have to do as a Finance Committee as well, which effectively means that really nothing is being achieved. So, so just for people to understand who don't kind of pay attention to this every day, like... like like you guys do. I mean, we, we've heard, you know, this government has, for example, lost, a, you know, a vote on a number of bills which have yeah. then gone forward to committee on a, on a whole range of issues, everything from medicinal cannabis to all, all kinds of other things. But are they ever really ever going to approach becoming becoming law in the country? Are they just going to be kind of I think, stuck I think in it's interesting that people believe that um, by a government losing a vote that I suppose that automatically becomes law and the medicinal cannabis is actually a, a case in point of it because a lot of people think that now medicinal cannabis or the use of it is now law whereas mm. the opposite is actually the, is, is actually the case. Um, 
Gino Kenny's proposal was passed by all parties in the in the Dáil, um, but it just moves to committee stage. It hasn't. They have to have pre-legislative scrutiny, which means that they'd have to invite in a number of interested bodies to give evidence, um, and then it would move. Uh, the committee would make a recommendation. It would then move to uh, report stage and final stage. So it's far from becoming law. So all of the defeats that the government has faced, really, in effect, is it unlikely ever to become law? On, the, on, the, on that basis. Well, it would depend given, given, on given the, the, But given the processes, the, the kind of sclerotic processes which you've just described. It would depend, uh, surely, on the timing of the next general election. Um, you know, if, if the government lasts for another three years, it'll probably be closer to the finish line, but it, it, it will definitely not be concluded by that stage. I think the risk um, inherent in this whole new system, we're, we're a year in now, we're really nine months in because the government wasn't formed until May, so maybe a proper reflection would be three or four months from now I think the risk of this doll is as Sarah was outlining that opposition deputies were, be- were led to believe that this would be a new way of doing business that they would bring forward legislation it would almost be like you know Lyndon Johnson era Senate that you'd be corralling people from across to support your bill and get it passed that's not happening bills are being passed the government's being defeated but they're sitting in committees and nothing has been done about it so it's undermining confidence in the whole structure the fact that there's nothing happening when they get passed second stage in the doll, nothing is happening. And then that would lead for... Well, Finian, that is true in most of... Listen, there's a constant spin coming from your colleagues about nothing is being done. No, hang on a second. I was, not, I was at Cabinet yesterday. We passed between, a memorandum between granting action and 11, legislative action. Yeah, no, but there's there's granting, executive action can, I, can, action. can I respond yeah. to you? Because I'm really getting cheesed over all this stuff, right? And it's a constant thing coming out from a lot of your colleagues that nothing is being done. I w- w- you all heard about the Grace case yesterday. That went to Cabinet. But the second thing that you, uh, viewers, uh, in fairness to Sarah, Sarah did cover it, that uh, uh, 9,800 children will be getting free medical care. These are children on the domiciliary care loans. That was a major thing in the programme for government. That has been done. I already uh, have, uh, through, the, through the bill, talking about legislation, before Christmas, I, I got a bill through the House, but the doll and the Shannon called the Health Amendment Bill. I'm now in the middle of the Disability mm. Bill. So work is going on, Finney, but people are reporting that nothing's Finney, going Finney, on. Finney, can I also say, can let me finish now. No, you tell that to the new, when you go up to uh, Bournemouth Hospital tomorrow, and six months ago, I opened a 5.8 million uh, new kidney unit, you want, state-of-the-art mm. unit. Did anybody kind of say, that work is going on? A new health centre in Crumcastle Road in Colac, absolutely. Finian, and abso- I'm fighting for a UAE in Bournemouth. That's absolutely laudable. That's, that's absolutely laudable. That's worth coming. You don't tell the people that. We are. That's absolutely no. laudable. What we're talking about now is this new politics and the way it, it, it manifests itself in Parliament. You're talking about mostly executive action, right? From the Cabinet down. We're talking about... That's because you're in government now, Finian, is it? I mean, would you feel the same if you were on the opposition I want to get things done. I know. You can spend all day talking about legislation and all that. Bottom line is, Legis- people want to see things is, done. Legislation, but, though, sorry. is part of the function of a parliament. Yes, but, and I do that, yeah. and, I, and I enjoy doing that. But there's also getting the job yeah, done no, is very important that, for as far as I'm concerned. And we, that's absolutely acceptable. That it's the, exec, the, exec, the executive gets stuff done, but we're talking about what we were led to believe and what many people were led to believe this new parliament would be like. the opposition are whinging which, all the time. Which, exactly. <laughs> which, which, which would, you were an independent TD for so long. Imagine no, being back in the... Uh, 
I've never been to Sarah. You know that. For the record, Sarah's eyebrows have just. Sorry. The point. The point. The point is. The point is that you're talking about executive action, which is fine. Things are getting done. You are doing very good work in your department. But what we're talking about is people were led to believe that this would be a different job because we're in such an extreme. It was going to be Borgen. It was going to be Borgen. We would do. There would be kind of a horse trading across the aisle where I could be like you know backbench TD and bring forward my own bill and get people to support it. I know it would become law. And I supported Gino's bill, for example. I thought that was great. But it hasn't happened. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is there's not there's not enough will that when they go it's, it's, it's well, hasn't become lawyer. The then. But yeah, but it hasn't become lawyer. So the point we're trying to make is executive decisions are being taken and are yes. being carried through, right? Hmm. But it's very difficult for an opposition deputy to bring forward a bill and have them eventually make it onto the statute book. Is it a question of will or is it a question of the structures which, which, yeah, which, which sorry, it is. is it a question of will or is it a question of the structures which Sarah described well, as a combination of the two like who owns t- a bill and does it take a lot of resources to really to push that process through just stick no, with I the medicinal just, cannabis No I, 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 ac- I, I accept what the points that Fika saying there in Russia, but I actually think it's the structures rather than hmm. the parliamentarian so, so that's an issue we have to deal with but to go back to the other issue is it easier to bring a bill through the doll than it was when I was in opposition. I remember years ago I brought the Down syndrome equality access bill and they actually the government accepted that and nearly fell on the floor with shock because they didn't think they would. Right. But that was that was the one exception. I was there what was the 10, 12 years. That was the one exception. This this time I saw Gino Kelly's bill coming in and it's now it, it was passed and I supported it. I spoke of it around the time because I thought it was very important. But as then Sarah mentioned the point it's gone into committee now is it going to be stuck there? Well you need to do something about the structures. Mm. I accept that point. That's, that's, that's fair valid. enough. That's the point I was trying to make. That's, is the, that, point. that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, the, stru- well, the structures are on I'll the take that top. argument as a valid yeah. argument. But the, stru- the rest is yeah. the work is going on we're out there reducing unemployment, investing in the health services, bringing new ideas into disability service. That's good news. Yeah, no, except, but except, I know it's not sorry, sexy, but, but what it's about, good news. What, what about the other point which arises out of all this, which is mm. that it, it's impossible to make a decision that is in any way politically tough so that uh, anything that involves Don't giving money you can get away with but ma- making making a tough call and something and there are going to be tough calls to make in this pre-Brexit era really and all those kinds of things. Every, year, every single day. When you're, seriously, when you're in government, we get, we have lots of tough calls. I mean, me, uh, my, me trying to get that grace thing through between the HSE and the Gardaí for over the last six or seven months, a lot of your colleagues are aware of that. There was a lot of rows going on in the background that people didn't hear about, about what the, the, about the, the way it was dragged out as far as I was concerned. But every single day, tough calls are made by all ministers and by the cabinet. Absolutely tough calls are made. And we're up for that. And this government is working because this government is a partnership government. I'm an independent. I come from a completely different tradition than Fine Gael. But they know that I'm in there to do certain things and uh, for my for both my constituency and nationally. And they get that and we need to move along. And that's the way politics has to Can be. Can I just finish that point about the structures? What I was, what I was saying yes. is that the structures are, aren't working adequately as you've accepted yeah. the commission. And the, the danger of that is is that that risks bringing down confidence in the entire st- structure. Like the, 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 the government is in, is in, is in office by the grace and favour of the main party of opposition. Yes. If that main party of opposition sees the system isn't working, that will undermine confidence they have in this system, which would possibly undermine confidence in the entire structure, which could lead to a general election. That's my point, is that the structures yeah, need to improve to improve faith. Because the way it's looking at the moment is this isn't going to be the only minority government. So it, we're going to have a couple sure. of these. But, but so the main opposition party is very good chance that they'll be in exactly the same situation yeah. as the government party at some point. Yeah, it might suit them when they're on the opposite You'd be surprised yeah. though the public as well. I know you're saying that and you think there's uh, people saying this government doesn't work and that's a line we hear every single day in the, bro- in the broader media. But it's uh, interesting though that Fianna Fáil are supporting that as the main opposition party 
And they're being rewarded by the public, if you see the polls, for doing that. Whereas the people who are jumping up and down and making talking nonsense a lot of the time, uh, some of the opposition groups who had the chance to go into government and bottled it and ran away from being in power. And I'll name all the TDs someday if you want. And I just think, and they're prancing up about Finney McGrath's not doing enough on disability or health or jobs. And they have the cheek then. And then when they had a chance to come into government, they came into the talks and they ran away. I just, that I just, kind of leadership I just wonder, is a disaster. Sarah, is that, you know, one of the things we've heard for, for, for years in Ireland, definitely not just in Ireland, in many parliamentary democracies, is that uh, parliament, power has been leeching away from parliaments and to the executive and that this is kind of a, a diminution of, of democracy. And this whole thing, this whole new politics thing was supposed to deliver power back to parliaments, to, to the sovereignty of parliaments. But what Finney is describing there is plenty of action going on on the executive side. And I think we're acknowledging a bit of it. dysfunction on the on the legislative side. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, but I w- but I would argue that if you were to look at a cabinet agenda over the past eight months and compare it to a cabinet agenda of a Fine Gael, uh, Labour coalition, um, the with regards to the quantity of stuff that is appearing on a cabinet agenda, it's significantly limited in comparison to previous governments. And I think we we kind of need to get real. Like the reason that the the new politics became it became the buzzword of the thirty second all wasn't because uh, Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil or the Independent Alliance, for that matter, wanted to give power back to the uh, to the Parliament. The reality was they had no choice because of the the situation that they found themselves in. And probably the next time around we're, we're looking at, you know, a similar situation, um, but perhaps in reverse with regards to the political parties. But when a when a majority government comes back into into play, like new politics or whatever, mm. or see, whatever this, it is, falls yeah, by I the... I mean, Sarah's point there. But there are sections of society and sections of the Irish establishment that are longing for one party uh, majority rule again. And I just... Well, to say to you, I predict it, that day is over. There's going to be a minority government for the last for the next ten or twelve years. If that is the case, I do think it is early to be completely for us to be completely sounding the debt now for the box. We are only nine months in, so if Finian is right, we are set, setting into ten or twelve years of this. Perhaps we should give it a year or so more to see I, if it beds in. And I just I, wouldn't agree. I mean, I, I, Fiac and I walked the corridors of Leinster House every day, and with, before the um, issues of the past number of weeks. I don't know how many times either of us have said to each other or to our colleagues or to other TDs or to ministers for that matter, Jesus, there's nothing happening around here. This place is dead. It's like a graveyard. But it's a substantial substantial (laughs) Where I come from, there's action every day. And by the way, it's it's very difficult to be when you're in government and you're being... Uh, being uh, all sides are coming at you it's very difficult but the bottom line is to say that things are dull, dull things are never dull where, where I, I am I think it is a substantial cultural change if this is to go on for 10 or 12 years this is a huge cultural change for Irish uh, politics from yep. a Westminster style majoritarian system to a new European style system where you have to build consensus and if that is the case and I think it is a big if because I think we're only we're not that close away from a, a coalition majority coming back into office I think or not that far away, excuse me. So if we are to set into 10 or 12 years, then we perhaps should reserve judgment. It's not working now, largely speaking. Parliament parliament is not working. The structures, structures, I accept that. As opposed to government. Yes. Uh, We should reserve judgment and come back at it maybe in a year and a half. On on that process, on the development of the process, how destabilising or otherwise is the election of a new leader of Fine Gael and therefore a new Taoiseach likely to be over the next eight or nine weeks? It shouldn't be that destabilising at all. Um, Like the parameters of the deal set out between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are quite clear. It's to do with policy and the governing framework that they have uh, arrived upon. The personality at the top should make any difference. 
both men. Personalities not make a difference to some extent. They make a difference, to, not to the content of the deal. Is what I'm saying. But but like they made a difference to the Fianna Fáil Labour coalition in the nineties. They did, but their strictures weren't written down. As in, you must do this, this, and this, and we will vote this way and this way. Um, I think both the two leadership, leading leadership contenders have said they will not call an immediate general election. They said they're committed to the confidence supply deal, uh, and that is honouring the policies of it. I do think. It is the case that if Leo Varadkar takes over, we'll have a different tone, a more, uh, you would have a more slightly centre-right Fine Gael. But then bear in mind, the policy positions that will be set out during a leadership contest will not have a bearing on the programme for government or the agreement with the House of because they're really setting out their platform for the next general election, the next manifesto, because the programme for government and the conflict supply agreement, it's locked in. It mm. says two to one ratio in terms of tax and spending, reduce the USC and various other policy matters. So any, I suppose sounds off stage that we're hearing during the Fine Gael leadership contest will be for the next election. Finian, who would you be voting for if you're a member of Fine Gael? Uh, well, I have strong views, but I don't influence an internal election or political party, so I'm staying out of that. I'm not going to answer that question. But uh, can I say that, as far as I'm concerned, that uh, whoever Fine Gael elects, uh, the, the, the programme for government is the issue, and that's what I'm concerned about. I said Simon Harris make a great t-shirt there. Well, I, I have a great time for Simon Harris, by the way, and I work very, very closely with him, and I do think he will be a future t-shirt, absolutely, and I'm stick, I'll stick by that. But in relation to the two contenders at the moment, it's very, very close uh, within the Parliamentary Party. I'm hearing, though, that Leo is doing well among the members. I don't know how the councillor is going, but that's the word. In the, the word. But again, I would not like to in, uh, interfere in the internal election of, of a political party. Last word from you, sir. I, I think it's a sort of a premature discussion, really. I think uh, what we see, what we saw from the Taoiseach last week is that he's going nowhere anytime soon. And I think Fiac said it in a piece last week. We'll, he'll be around probably until May. So we, we, we'll have plenty of time to discuss who the perils and the pros of um, of each leader. Yes, I think we can contender. guarantee we'll be well exhausted by that subject by the time we finally almost get exhausted. finally almost, almost exhausted. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys, for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and our engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can rate or review this show on iTunes or indeed on most of your podcast providers. And it's a great help if you uh, bring it to the attention of your friends by sharing it or recommending it to them to bring it to a wider audience. Uh, remember, you can mail me at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.